So welcome everybody. Welcome back to An African Perspective. Thank you for joining us once again on our second edition. Today we have a very, very interesting topic, which is on the reversals of democracy in Africa since the pandemic. As a way of introducing this topic, I'm just going to state the fact that a lot of coups have happened all over the world. Um, I think the first one that happened was the one in Myanmar uh, early in 2021. And over time, we've had a lot of scholars debate on why these schools have been happening. Is there a direct link to the pandemic? And um, what are the implications going forward? Would there be a domino effect in Africa? As we've seen, over seven countries so far have had a reversal of democracy. So today, we are going to be talking about what we understand by democracy, what we understand by coups. We're also going to be making distinction between military and constitutional coups and trying to understand the responses from the international community to these schools and give our concluding thoughts on what we feel as scholars about the schools. So as a way of um, giving a brief background for people who don't understand what a coup is, I think we went back and forth on coup and coup d'etat before this, and um, they're not really different. I mean, both insinuate uh, the seizure of power, illegal seizure of power from a legitimate government, from an elected government. And democracy in its simplest term uh, in Africa, we say government for the people, by the people and of the people. But democracy is supposed to be a system of government that involves everyone. So it's supposed to be all for all. However, we've had philosophical backings, especially from Aristotle, who claims that democracy is one of the worst forms of government. And with Winston Churchill as well, Winston Churchill affirmed this. But still, even if we claim it's the worst form of government, it's still one of the best we have yet. So now we're going to get into our proper discussion of military coups and um, civilian coups that have happened in Africa. Today we're going to be talking about different countries which includes Mali, Tunisia, Egypt, Guinea, Chad, Sudan, and most recently, this was yesterday, Burkina Faso. So I'm going to ask Amy what you think about the schools in general. So what are your general perspectives before we come to... Okay, um, now, schools or coup d'etat in, in Africa, I mean, there is a lot of, based on research, there are so many reasons as to why we have this going on. But since we are talking more within the pandemic, um, <clears throat> within the pandemic era, I think the pandemic, as we had, you know, talked about in our last se segment, actually highlighted some of the underlying, underlying structural issues in Africa, and I think it really, you know, brought it home to the population how bad the system of governance is in Africa. And as we know about the military, um, the military or the soldiers. They are, they are a very unique set of people. And over history, we know they are actually very good at timing exactly when to come in to intervene mm. without so much um, backlash from the population. So that was, I mean, it's actually a very important aspect to highlight. However, recently now, we have had two for major forms of coup, the military coup and constitutional coup in Africa during the, the pandemic era. All right. So, Mariam, what do you think about the reversals of coup? Do you think there's a problem with how we practice democracy here in Africa? There's always a problem with how we practice everything in Africa. However, for me, 
I am one of those people that, you know, democracy should not be, you know, instituted in a society until society is at, as a certain, at a certain level of development. Because we only see that democracy really flourishes in a society that has a certain degree, so a certain uh, strong middle class, more or less, right? Mm. So it has reached a certain, you know, level of, democracy, uh, of, of development. So when you look at Africa and you look at the problem of democracy or, you know, so we're all... Honestly, we're, we're all fledgling democracies. We're all mm. new democracies. And then we're not full democracies, even at that. Mm. So all countries that go, okay, I am a democratic state, if you look at it truly, are they really truly democratic, fully democratic? Because you look at the principle of, is that there's this transparency mm. in the democracy, yeah. accountability in the, mm. the democracy, right? So this benefits of democracy are the people feeling and reasoning. Because I will vote and I'll say, I know it wouldn't count. You know, so all of these things. So adult suffrage really doesn't come. It's yeah. there in certain places, and then it's, it's so interesting that um, the in some countries you see very low voter turnout, and then but I mean, they would say okay, it's been done, it's been done. So it really is not the voice of everyone, like you said in your definition of democracy. It should be for everyone, right? Mm. However, when a really really small percentage or tiny percentage, negligible percentage of society goes out to vote, then really it's not for them, right? Mm. That's one. Number two. Um, for me, right, um, the issue of, of, you know, saying whether, you know, um, there's a problem of democracy or there's no problem, I think generally there would be a problem with any, any system. The only thing that is different or peculiar to Africa is that we might not be ready or accepting of democratic principles. Yeah. Like taking it as a whole, yes. instead we just kind of impart whatever whatever what works work for work us for our leaders. So yeah. pick and choose. All right. So before we talk about like specific constitutional codes, before I come back to you, Ab, and we talk about the causes of these reversals, I would like to ask because in Africa we have a unique practice of democracy. Do you think that this unique practice of democracy actually has led to the reversals of democracy in Africa? What I think is, it's not the democracy that has led to the reversals of democracy, but it's, it's the pre-existing conditions even before democracy. So when I say pre-existing conditions, the initial conditions, I'm talking about things like you know the the, the discrimination that we see, you know, you know the the poverty that's deepening, you know. So the governance issues. It's mm. not just. So it doesn't matter what government it is or what what you know what type of government is is there. You would still have these things. So it's not just democracy. So it's not peculiar to democracy. I think it's peculiar to governance styles within African states. All right. So I'll come back to Amy now with constitutional codes. In Africa, we've seen a couple of them. So I want you to run down through the ones you can remember, the causes, and what have actually led to these reversals in general. Okay. So when we talk about constitutional codes, we are referring to the, uh, the seizure of power within the framework of a country's constitution. And... The actors, the main actors of constitutional court are always um, top government officials or the current existing government there. So um, we've, we've had a series of constitutional court within Africa. I mean, we've, we have it, um, we had it in um, Cameroon is one of the most popular ones, Cameroon and Togo as well. And so this is a case whereby the, the government in power or top government official could decide that we want to stay for you know longer than what the constitution wants us to stay for. Maybe extend that tenure, remove age limits, or in most in most very very um, prevalent forms, get rid of opposition. So we have that they might even twist a little bit of the electoral act. So in the case of um, of Cameroon, uh, we are very much aware of Mr. Paul Bia. He's been there for over 39 years, and mm. apparently there's even recent talks. 
that um, they, are they are probably grooming his son to take over, take over. after. I mean, it's almost like a family him. business. Like a family, exactly. Well, that's quite common exactly. in Africa, isn't <laughs> it? It's quite common. It is. The same thing too, also in Togo as it's well. You know, where the current um, president of Togo, he's been there for close to 14 years, um, Nasi Bey. He actually took over from his father, who was there for 38 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, so these are examples of constitutional coup in, in Africa. We also have the issue of, um, I think it's Uganda, where you had Bobby Wine. Mm -hmm. He was mm -hmm. trying to oppose, and then you have uh, Museveni, who has been there for a very long time, who intends to be there, and who has used the constitution to a certain degree to ensure that opposition or opposition parties are not there. And I remember one time Messi talked about the very important role of opposition parties. You mm -hmm. cannot underestimate them. I think that's when we're discussing about APC and PDP, how yeah. PDP has to learn how to be an a opposition, better opposition, a better opposition yeah. party. So, and again, that even brings me now to, you know, to one of the issues that we need to talk about in constitutional code regarding the drivers of constitutional code. I mean, weak democratic institutions, like, you know, when Miriam talked about a state being or a country being ready to accept all of it in terms of democracy. So we have those issues there. An absence of democratic culture within these countries as well. You know, so all we do is every four years we we vote. That's like the most democratic thing we do. Yes, which is not even which is not even exactly. in every country. Every Some countries country. you see that they cancel the elections yeah. or something. Something shall comes up and they Absolutely. don't go ahead with it. Then you also have the case of you know this struggle of rivals between factions because unfortunately in Africa we have a very um, negative outcome of identity politics. Although mm -hmm. it's being played out in other climes, mm -hmm. but for us it's more like a zero sum politics mm. aspects of it. So um, just to quickly, you know, wind down really quickly. So what are the implications of constitutional coup in these African countries that we have during this, especially during this pandemic period? We have a, a case of the country being isolated. Cameroon, for all intents and purposes, is kind of isolated, except for their very best friend, France, which has <laughs> always been there for them. The rest of us, actually in West Africa, I mean, they even actually even leave West Africa. They yeah. claim they were no more a part of West Africa because of this same issue of phobia mm. being there. And then we also have that reflected in this endemic um, um, conflict in Cameroon now, where you have the um, English speaking, the English speak and the, um, the French speaking mm. parts of so Cameroon. So the anglophone, francophone dynamics, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Then, of course, the oppression of um, opposition, like Messi mentioned earlier on, you cannot underestimate the power of a very strong opposition party. So mm. we don't have that in all these states with constitutional coup, mm. which means that the government would always get away with, with, um, with, with policies that are not an most likely not always in the interest mm. of the population. And of course, the promotion of the idea of the strongman syndrome, you know, mm. that one is a major issue in Africa. So the idea is that, oh, we need someone to stay there for a very long time. Mm. Example is Rwanda Paul Kigami. I know we mm. talked about Rwanda extensively in our last edition, in as much as we, we tend to always see some of the positives of Rwanda there. Mm. But that's, that's the way he's been able to um, justify that prolonged stay in power. So I think I'm just waiting. And I maybe maybe I think mm -hmm. that's why democracies are reversing because democracy yeah. is supposed to you're supposed to have like a very short um time in office. But then Africans like to stay till they yeah, die. they're obsessed with holding yeah. on to power. power. Yeah. yeah. So it's an obsession I mean, with look power. Look at what happened in Tunisia, which is also a constitutional coup mm -hmm. and I mean mm -hmm. you had the case of Sisi where he had extended within the rights of the constitution, he had yeah. extended his stay in office to twenty thirty four. 2034. <laughs> like, you don't even know if you're going to be alive. You don't even know what is going to happen to you. It and you expect your state that long. And that stay. makes, like, I mean, before this, our pre-conversation before this was that we talked about 
military coup and how they promised 18 months mm. interim to handover. Yeah. You see that they never really handover. So this is not really 18 of even whether it's a constitutional coup or it's a military coup. Yeah. There's always that thing of wanting to extend their state Could in power. Could be a cultural yeah. thing, maybe. Yeah, and maybe that's why democracy is, is shaking over here. So I'll move mm -hmm. to Mariam, who will talk more on military coups in Africa. So what is your perspective and what do you think are the reasons why the military is taking over? I mean, we're seeing the domino effect every mm -hmm. single day. So before I get into that, I just want to add something. So mm -hmm. when, um, before, I mean, you get to the discussion part about what um, Ebi has said about constitutional coups. So when you talk about parties in Africa, I mean, we say we have political parties. One, they don't have a political ideology or party ideology. They don't have party mandates. Another thing is we see political polyamory where this, they flow, flow through parties. So yes, the opposition might remain. The opposition might be alone and then gather some more opposition later. But his people would then tend to move into another party or even himself as we've seen in Nigeria, you know. Mm. So that changing your party, so really truly, democracy is not meant to be run like that. Like you said, you can't have a strong opposition if these people keep swinging from party to party whenever they feel but like I mean, When there's no ideology... That's it. No, yeah. no mandate you cannot, party, no ideology. Yeah, you're not standing for anything yes. exactly. It's just like uh, the way I saw like the candidates, I don't know if you guys have seen that, the candidates coming out that have projected that they want to come out for presidency in Nigeria. Nigeria. And it's just like it's anybody. Yes. Anybody that just says I want to be president yes. can be president. You've not added anything, no community development, nothing. You have no ideology, you have no record showing your blueprints to resolve. You know the is, we, we're not you career we're not career we're not career politicians mm. yeah. in Nigeria. And that's one of the problems. Mm. Anyway, so back to what back we were to, discussing. Yeah. So military coups, coup d'etat. Mm -hmm. Right? So in coup d'etat, uh, when the military take over power, uh, you know forcefully, violently, if, uh, you know, just forcefully taking over power from a legitimate government. Um, and in in the past, um, in just over a year, actually, Africa has experienced four successful coups. Two in Mali, one in Guinea, and the most recent one in Burkina Faso, just a few days ago. I mean, those two in Mali, sorry, it's really <laughs> laughable because the first one failed and they came up and they said, oh, yeah. like it failed. <laughs> And then two weeks after. But you know, even the one in Burkina Faso, there was a confusion on Sunday as to was yeah. it a coup or not. Oh, and then on Monday, they came out on, on national television and announced. Anyway, so um, there was one unsuccessful coup attempt in Niger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, an arbitrary um, military transfer of power in Chad, you know, following the assassination of the president. Mm -hmm. uh, so the thing with these power grabs is, before I get into it, is, is you know... Um, Threatening, they say, reversal of democratization process in Africa, right? Um, and then, well, well, if you go back, way back from the 19, 1950s, 19, early 1960s, you'd find that from that time to 2001, the figures are that there were eight, 80 successful coups on the African continent mm -hmm. and 108 failed coup, coup attempts on the African continent, you know? And that was an average of four years in that period. And um, so, I mean, we've had one this year. <laughs> Maybe we're going to have three more. Who knows? I hope it's less. Um, but then it, it helped, and it became just two or one over, over you know, from, from 2001 all the way to, you know, 2012 when it started again. And then from then we've seen, you know, especially from last year. So this topic is rife, as talking about the pandemic. Making the connection, like Evie has mentioned earlier, could be quite tough to do. But then really, truly, when you see why, you know, and what the pandemic has done, then you're able to understand that, yes, it can 
it can happen in time for this. It might be the pandemic. It, it might be one of the reasons. I'm not saying it is, but there, must, there might be causality there, right? Mm. Um, okay, so talking about the coups, Sudan first, mm. okay? Um, I'm going to go briefly into it. Um, so Sudan in 2019 experienced two such events, okay? One in September, which failed, and the latest in which General Abdel Fattah, right? Um, mm. It is all the civilian arm of the transitional government, um, and then he took over power. Moving on to the one I find the ones I find quite interesting, <laughs> the one in Chad, the one in Chad, um, the 37-year-old, you know. And then if you look at the the people taking over in the army, it's the younger ones. Um, it used to be the older ones in the military that used to do mm. it. Now it's the younger ones still. No, but to be fair, in Nigeria we had young no, people. No, from that, I mean, that was that very yeah. very early on. Yeah. But right after that, it was the like middle-aged yeah. guys okay. that started to take True. over, right? Because they had already risen. But we, and one of the reasons why I say that we were able, our military is very has always been sophisticated in Africa. Why? Because the colonial masters trained us, mm. right? We were sophisticated, and because we fought for them in several in several ways, in several you know um, several, on, on several fronts. Mm. So we do have sophisticated, very organized army. Um, so it is easy for them to see and to take over. You know, um, mm. they're very organized, very well planned, and you have to be quite organized and very well planned for you to to, 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 to because a coup is one of those things that is either you do it or you, you die. You know, mm. you know. Um, so, is in control following his father's death on the battlefield in April 2020. Um, yes, we had the, the outcry from the United States, you know. Um, but then, right after the United States started to, you know, say, okay, you know, this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be, the Italian Constitution, they changed their tune when France said, uh, and then African Union gave support to mm. to um, Debbie um, as the young ruler of, you know. So. Um, Macron attended the funeral of, of the father, you know, um, support, showing his support, you know, um, there we um, Moving on, we, um, to Mali now. Um, in Mali, another 37-year-old, um, Goita, Colonel Goita, um, who served in the armed forces as well, special forces unit, ousted the president, uh, Boubacar, into, in August of 2020. Um, so, he, obviously, the, the sanctions are going to come. Um, ECOWAS will suspend, you know, you have international um, outcry, you know, you know. ECOWAS like actually that. tried to intervene, like they tried to have a sit down, but it was very yes. hard to get everybody involved. Yes, what so, they did was yeah. after after the back and forth with ECOWAS, he said, okay, 18 month transition. I'm going to mm -hmm. stay 18 months and I'm going to hand over. But this is something, and I'm going to get to that part when I talk about it. Let me just mention the other clues. Uh, so he said 18 month, uh, you know, um, transition, um, and it was led by, you know, the military general at the time. Etc. Etc. Moving on, um, oh, Goit, um, then, you know, um, a year later, Goita removed Mali's civilian leadership mm -hmm. again, and declared himself interim president. And his government, you know, I mean, he's in no rush to leave power after seeing another transition for another eighteen months. But he said that what well, the reason why, you know, I'm kicking the government, or, or at least what he did to take over, he said the reason for his takeover was he was not consulted. He said he was not he was not consulted about the cabinet reshuffle, okay, um, which was he was he was um, so his feelings were hurt as I said. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Guinea, Guinea mm -hmm. on the fifth of September, twenty twenty one, forty one year old former uh, legionnaire mm -hmm. of the army took over power, and he said his choice to take over power was because um, eighty three year old Conte, one is cannot handle the mm -hmm. state. Another thing is he said that. He is unable, you know, there's a lot of corruption, the rampant corruption, there's a graph of human rights and economic mismanagement, you mm -hmm. know. So um, 
Then, uh, talking about Burkina Faso, Burkina Faso, so on Sunday 23rd of 20, uh, 23rd of January 2020, the first school of the year, um, there was a coup, there was a confusion actually because there were gunshots in the capital on Sunday. And people were wondering what was happening, the president was quiet, everyone was quiet, but there was around the presidential palace that was where, where it happened, so along the route. And then on Monday, there was a statement by the um, military on national TV um, stating that they had taken over power, and um, and this is by Lieutenant Colonel Dambia, that's his name, Namiba, sorry, that's his is name. This the, sorry, is this the country where they had the photo shoots with the president? Was it Guinea? Or no, 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 that was, was, that was, that was, that was, was that was Guinea. That was Guinea. That was Guinea. That was Guinea. Burkina Faso, they were quite uh, calm about it. It just came on TV with a lot of military guards and him yeah. sitting just mm-hmm. right in front. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so what I'm getting at here is that, okay, these all of these schools, right, that happened, the military coup d'etat, has, I mean, similar drivers from the 1960s, 1970s. Economic decline, you know, um, discrimination deepening poverty, corruption, human rights violations. These are the drivers, and they're still the drivers today because this is what they think. No, but recently they added in mismanagement of COVID-19. Okay, yeah. To switch it up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that, okay, social welfare. Let's Mm. say social Social welfare, welfare, right? Because it's part of what they say, so it's part of social welfare. What The the connection I'm going to make here with the pandemic is that, so when it comes to, like, poverty and, you know, tragic situation worsened by, you know, battering of, of COVID... Right, you can see that these things will be more pronounced. Deepening of poverty. Here you start to see discrimination. Right, people being excluded from getting the social services of society within society. You will see people embezzling the funds that are supposed to go into, uh, you know, uh, giving palliatives to people more or less. Right. So you will see. Then you will see corruption at its height. People are suffering. Yet. You know, so the people are, you know, living lavishly, taking taking the funds for themselves. So there's that anger and there's that grievance. And the military really are always just sitting and waiting and watching. And then what in all of these countries, or most of these countries, people come out and protest. We want the government out. The moment that happens, they come and they take over. That also happened in three of these countries, you know. And then what you see right after is that this there's this romanticizing of the coup by, by the citizenry. They come out and they're jolly and they're happy. You see them in Guinea, they were kissing the soldiers, mm. you know, things like that. Yes, you know, we, they were able this is what we want. Yes, all of these are some of the mixed responses. And then what, what happens then is that shortly after, it's very short lived, the romance dies because then they realize that these people that have come and say, okay, 18 months transition are probably just like the leaders they ousted or. Or worse. Mm. Because w- what happens is that after the 18 months, they extend and they extend and they extend. And they don't want to go. And when they want to go, instead of just going, they go, no, we want to be civilians and want to run for office. Mm. You know? And then they come back, you know, with the same things that the previous government or the absent government was doing. So, um, really, truly, um, what I see um, for me as the consequences for, you know, Africa's democracy is that if, you know, the the fundamentals of democracy are not instituted on the African continent, we really are going to see a lot more mm-hmm. of these um, um, reversals. reversals of democracy. Okay. So before you continue with the consequences, because we will come back to that, okay. I would like to try, you said something about post-colonialism and not in those words, and the mm-hmm. coups, because it's very evident that based on the responses, so we're moving towards the responses of the coup, mm-hmm. So you see that in Chad, the international response was quite different, different. from the 
response yes. of the coup in Mali. And these are countries that have similar history. They have the same uh, the colonial... The yeah, masters, yes. they are both francophone countries. So you wonder, why is it that they had different responses? I mean, Idris Deby, that whole story... First time I came across that story, knocked me out with laughter because mm. he went to fight mm -hmm. and then he the rebels and he had just won yes, the rigged. I don't want to call it a rigged election, but <laughs> he had just won the manipulated elections and then he went to fight the rebels to assert his power because he's just that kind of leader. Yes, that likes to be at the war front and then fails. Then his yes. son takes over and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Yes, but then Imali is like, "No, you cannot do yes. that." So why this? Why? It's, a matter, of, it's, it's a matter of interest, in my opinion. Mm. So, if if we've seen it in so many uh, Francophone African countries, right? So, with France, France interferes quite a lot mm. in the affairs of Francophone African countries. I mean, if 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 you ask me if a Francophone country is independent, oh yeah, I would say okay, maybe they're independent in part, really, because you can argue that they they're, they're not fully independent. Yeah. So, what to me, it's a matter of interest. What 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 regime do they want to support? What man do they want to lead there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah, excellent point. But I just wanted to remember something regarding this issue because I was also surprised as well as well. Why support Chad and then why not support Mali? And they tried to justify. They talked about the fact that you know there is this serious insecurity issues in the Sahel mm -hmm. region, mm -hmm. and Chad, whether we like it or not, is a major um, actor. Yes. When I mean actor, positive actor, technically in terms of waging that war against mm -hmm. those those insurgent groups. So the argument was that if we do not allow that sub seemingly smooth transition of power from the father to the son, mm -hmm. then we risk you know yes. we risk um what is the word I'm looking for. We risk destroying, you know, the, the battle, security, the security in that region. Yeah. In that region, so that mm. was actually the reason that they gave. gave. But still, having said that, the the tenets of democracy should should be respected. Okay. So, what are some other responses that you've seen? I mean, we've talked about the people's responses. I my dad, we go back and forth on military rule because you know he's yes. a retired major general, and I tell him that military rule is one of the things that has messed democracy or because every time you halt democracy yes. and we have to begin again we have mm -hmm. to stand from ground zero yes. again so yeah. all these problems that we would have overcome if the military had not intervened mm -hmm. we would have probably dealt with them in the 80s and the 90s now we will be moving towards a more stable, stable system fuller, and fuller with democracy. the i'm sorry to drag in Myanmar because i know this is not africa but Myanmar school was very very it was like the beginning to understanding coups in like the covid-19 era and all of that okay. and you see how they came and at first they had the support of people because Myanmar has a history of uh, displacing Muslims within countries okay. and they had other internal issues that they were already That's upset with their, with their leaders and all of that so when the military came it was like oh yes finally our salvation and you can see how from that peak it declines yes like gradually, it's like it slowly comes to the people. Like, oh, okay, so these people are not really. And that's the case for all over, us. right? Yes. So if we know this, why is it that people still, like, their first reaction towards military coup is still in support? Because what they're concentrating on at, at the time it's happening is we want this government out, and mm -hmm. anyone that's going to get that government out, that's who they're going to support at the time. Mm -hmm. And then when they come in, and they're not giving them what it is that they expect, then as I said earlier, the romance starts. 
Yeah, and I think this is actually a very interesting pattern of African society. Mm. It goes back to when we were asking for independence. Mm. We are just focused on the, we don't like this particular group of people. We need yes. to keep them out. But we don't really ask the question of what next? What next? Mm. Do we have a blueprint? It's the same issue that we also had in Nigeria with this current administration. Mm. They were yes. fed up with the they previous one. They wanted change. Oh, we really got change at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted change. But they were not thinking of this change that we are calling now. What is the blueprint? Yeah. What is the plan? What kind of change will you be? What, what, yeah. Exactly, what kind of change? So I think at the end of the day, we need a population, a mass, a population of people, that is the, the, the public. We need people that actually know about their laws and rights and are willing to engage with the opposition. Mm. Because in as much as we said, okay, Afri African continent, we have a very, um, we have a, when I say middle class, I mean middle class in terms of educated middle mm. class. Of mm. course, we can still debate on what we mean by education. But in terms of political education, political enlightenment, it's a major issue that we have here in Africa. Most people do not know their rights. They don't even know what to expect from, for example, their senators, mm -hmm. what, what a senator should do for them. So these are some serious silent points. So salient points. So whenever the military comes, it's like, yay, the military has come. And they're like, you what, forget, yeah, you like forget what your Miriam past, said. Yeah. You know, yeah, they Absolute, forget. That yeah. is the same issues. That, so there's that pattern mm. of not necessarily thinking what next. All right, Aminatu, so what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so um, it's just about the reaction of people. Um, generally, I, normally when we say Nigerians are quick to forget, and I think it's a general African thing, um, we find new options or new people come in and we're happy because we're seeing, they're telling us there's going to be change, there's going to be transformation. And we keep talking about as well, we want a change. It's like... um more like a revolution is what a lot of times Africans want. Well, revolutions are not that easy. Mm. Rather, we need reformations. And these new options we get, they just come in, they tell us we're going to reduce, maybe reduce poverty mm. and stuff. And I think that's where the joy comes from. Mm. Because this is a new option. This is a new trial. This is a new path. And then until we stay with that person for a while, then we realize the devil we know is better than the <laughs> angel we don't know. We don't know yeah. That's the reaction. And that's, for example, now what Dr. A.B. said about um, for example, what's happening in Nigeria with the current administration. We're fed up with the past administration, right? Then we got this new one. And after a while, we're like, ooh, can we mm. go back to the past, mm. right? And then now we're going to have elections again coming soon. And we're looking at these new options and we're happy. There's going to be a change in administration. Mm. But the next person, we don't, as Messi was talking about, anyone is, everyone is just coming mm -hmm. up to declare yeah. they're going to run. But there is no proper standard in place. There is no like policy making. That we have no way to do the check and balance with that person on how you've created policies before and how effective it is. Or what you just so even added to the development of your country. Like what have you done? The impact. Yeah. Yeah. So we look at that, and so it, the reactions. That's I think that's where the reaction comes from. So it's just the joy for a bit. For a while, right? Can we re if we remember when Buhari came into power, people were trekking across states and stuff. Yeah. The joy of having somebody mm. new. But Africans so need to find. Africans need to ask the right question. What are you bringing to the, to the table? table? And we yeah. don't do that. Yes, yeah, so we don't do that. And I think as well, um, what Doctor Ibi mentioned, somewhere, someone like Paul Kagame, he decided I have many things to offer, bring to the table. He's bringing out all these new things, and that's what's been able to kind of. Put down, the put down the people yeah. a bit and also having the military Giving him that side. longevity exactly. in power. Yes. But well, you did mention something. Sorry to cut you because I really don't want to forget this about yeah. options. And the truth is that we don't have a lot of mm -hmm. options mm -hmm. here. We mm -hmm. really don't. And the it's almost like we're options. choosing between civil rule and yes. military rule. Yes. Yeah. And this is a question that even at night, like I think about, is military rule the only alternative we have? 
No, but that's because I think in the world generally, when we look at even um, actually the post-Cold War era, how democracy has become the best form of government and almost the only form of government. So it's always, if we were to talk about civil, civilian rule, it's just democracy we think of, right? Mm, we don't think of the other ones. Mm. So that's why it's so limited when we look at the civ, um, civil um, kind of rule. And that's why we keep looking at democracy in the African talk context. Mm. And even in the African talk context, across countries, how democracy is so different mm. for us. In, even in West Africa, what we have in the Anglophone countries is completely different Very from different. Francophone yeah. countries. And yeah. that, democratic government, yes, and civilian government. And that is why when we talk about these schools, all these countries we're talking about, what is the link between them? Which has to not do they with our unique countries. practice of democracy. democracy. I read the paper once that talked about how, you see, the tenets of democracy is not just like you can domesticate democracy it doesn't have to follow the pattern of westernized yeah. mm -hmm. countries so you can domesticate it but do we even take out that time to know what works for our people that's the difference between rationalism and empiricism empiricism says which is like a school of thought founded by aristotle mm -hmm. go and find out what the people need then try and make systems that work for these people because the truth is that what works for maria might not work for me mm -hmm. and what works for me, works for me might not work for um Abby. but in that sense we can actually abide by the same principles yeah. which brings me to my last question before we round off this session do you think as africans and no need to be too scholarly about this do you think as africans we've gotten to a point because i mean there are a lot of issues here if i'm being very honest do you think we've gotten to a point where we're ready to sacrifice democracy for stability and peace, like whatever form of government comes with stability, and in stability, I'm talking about political, economic, social stability and peace. So, do you think we've reached that point where we're ready to sacrifice democracy for these things? Who wants to go first? So, yeah. um, sacrifice it for what? To to replace it with? What? I mean, if a military coup comes with stability and peace. Mm -hmm. Do you think we'll be willing to let go of democracy? At this point, because of the desperation, especially of the young people, which is mostly largely what Africa is made of, young people. And if you look at it, right, it says that every every two in three um, people are unemployed. Your youth are unemployed in even the most industrious South Africa and Nigeria, right? So people are desperate. So I think if they feel that there's a stable government, doesn't matter what type of government, governor styles that they're going to come in, the sort of government it is, if it's stable enough, I truly believe that people will accept it. Because, I mean, we have seen dictatorships that have worked, you know, and have served their people, you know, and people have, have grown and developed and societies have developed out of those dictatorships and out of, you know, very harsh military, military rules even around, around the world. So I really, truly believe that, yes, yes, it doesn't matter what, because democracy, like I said in the beginning, it's not for any every society. It has to be for a society where it has a certain level of development. That has been proven. Even though it's just not going to work. Mm. Countries countries adopt, adopt um, democracies after they have put in certain things and certain things are working. And then, okay, fine, you can come in with democracy. Because democracy actually halts even decision-making or slows it down significantly. You know, you have to, it does slow down things significantly. So things mm -hmm. might not work in the favor of that society. So I do believe if you're going to bring in... Yeah, so because here yeah, we need fast responses. Yes. And democracy has a lot of bureaucracies yes. that come with it. Because yeah. everybody's feeling has to be taken into yeah. consideration, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's mm. needs. Mm. Yeah. From, um, from a realist perspective, I would say, I would say yes. Because, I mean, the, the idea is to have, I mean, as someone that lives in Africa, we hear the stories, we've had experiences of, of conflict or violence. I'll say yes. I mean, 
let's ignore democracy and then have that. But from my an idealistic perspective, I cannot underestimate the importance of the four freedoms. Especially mm-hmm. freedom of expression is mm-hmm. really, really important. And we can take a page from China. Mm-hmm. They are sacrificed um, um, democracy for economic growth, mm-hmm. for peace and stability. So it is what it is. Um, for me, I think, yeah, we're willing to sacrifice, but it's the same thing. Um, kind of with what Mercy said that when we when we see that we just talk about democracy or military rule, but there are other options out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this way as well, I go back a bit as well and we look at a bit of Plato, what mm-hmm. he talks about. And we're talking about aristocracy here. Mm-hmm. Why can't we have an aristocratic form of government? Mm-hmm. As we said, relatively as well, we have very um, knowledgeable people in Africa. Why can't this be, be the people that will lead us as well? And that way we can have stability and peace. Because as well, democracy is as well slowing us down. And just like what Plato said, most times, if we're leaving it to the people, most people don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. Majority of people don't know. And that's why we have these problems about who are the kind of leaders we bring into power. Mm-hmm. We think this person is poor, so we align with the poor. That's why we choose this kind of person or religion and tribes. So I think here yeah, we can sacrifice democracy. And I think democracy is not for everyone. And even if we're going to make democracy ours, we have to domesticate it. We have to figure out what democracy is to us and how we can edit it. All right, Maren. One last point. The fear and the risk of losing these freedoms is that can we ever get them back? That's mm. just what I want to add to that. Yeah. Because, I mean, mm. to me, that's the risk and that's the fear that I have. And it's a genuine fear, to be honest. Can you ever get But really, if we're going to throw in freedom, which I don't want us to do because mm. that's a whole different conversation... Are we really free in general? I mean, even with freedom of speech, then there's hate speech. You can be free to talk and then there's hate speech. All right. So in conclusion, I feel like we've had a very good conversation today. Um, We've been able to talk about what democracy is, what coups are, the reasons why we're having a spike in coups in Africa. And we've been able to differentiate between constitutional and uh, military coups and talk about also... Um, the reactions that we get from these schools. Now, some of the things I would like our listeners to take home from this conversation is that for every coup, there are always early signs. I mean, there are early signs for every coup. You have the normal human rights violations, unemployment, political instability, you see police brutality, you see military brutality, and all of that. And I feel like, personally, this can be the warning signs before we know that a coup is coming, and there are things that we can probably get ahead of before... Um, so establish early warning systems. Yes, but then in Africa, we have this problem of waiting for something to become an epidemic before we address it. So that's probably something we need to change in our style of governance, which we addressed in the beginning of this session. Um, Another thing that I think is noteworthy is the domino effect of coups, the fact that coups have the propensity to spread from one country to another. So it might look like, oh, it will not get here, but the truth is that you cannot really tell what the future holds. With our style of leadership, we see that there's a lot of deficiency, especially when it comes to innovation and forward thinking, just the future of people, which, again, comes back to where would we go? If Even if we're ready to sacrifice our um, democracy for stability and peace. The truth is that there needs to be a structure, there needs to be a plan to say, okay, this is what we're doing step by step, like the way they had the Marshall Plan or the way Rwanda has a very compact plan Mm -hmm, towards mm -hmm. their development. But you see that in most African countries, we lack this. And once something is not working and there's no plan, we don't know what the future is, democracy is just used as a tool for the elites to to get political power 
then obviously it's not going to work. We don't so, stick with that. Plan. Yeah, that's generally the problem. Plans, early warning system. They are all there. Yeah, because Ecomos yeah. has a proper entire unit. That amazing, just amazing yeah. plans. But so, to be honest, I would like to know what our readers, or sorry, our yes, listeners, yes. would think about this our conversation. What do you think about democracies? What do you think about sacrificing democracy for? our stability and peace and if this can actually work we don't have to follow the western pattern we can figure out something for ourselves and like Ariana said it doesn't have to be military rule it can be something else yeah yeah, yeah. thank you to all our listeners for joining us today in the studio with me is Dr. Ibn Bore Seifa Aminatu Aliyu Mariam Detti and me your host Messi Kwabi please reach out to us on our social media or via our email African perspective ng at gmail.com. Till next time, have a good year. Yeah.